day 205 of 365, the Bible challenge with Abby Joy. Psalm 89, um, verses 1 to 8. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. All heaven will praise your great wonders, Lord. Myriads of angels will praise you for your faithfulness. For who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 to 39 Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are Against its will all creation was subjected to God's curse But with eager hope The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his authority. What should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? 
Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Then who will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hosea chapter 10 verse 1 to chapter 11 verse 11. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer that people get, the more pagan altars they build. The more bountiful their harvests, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle, they are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the Lord. Even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So injustice springs among them like poisonous swedes in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble in fear for their calf idol at Bethaven, and they mourn for it. Though its priests rejoice over it, its glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed, and Israel will be ashamed, because its people have trusted in this idol. Samaria and its king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Thorns and thistles will grow up around their altars. They will beg the mountains, bury us, and plead with the hills, fall on us. The Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah, there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. Was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now... Whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiple sins. Israel is like a trained heifer treading out the grain. An easy job she loves. But I will put a heavy yoke on her. Tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plough and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said... Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plough up the hard ground of your hearts. 
for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruits of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies can make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall, just as when Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share that fate, Bethel, because of your great wickedness. When the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved away from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burnt incense, incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refused to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honour me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy you. For some day the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion and when I roar my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds they will come from Egypt, trembling like doves they will return from Assyria and I will bring them home again, says the Lord.' 